First thing I want you to do is take a breath. Some of you guys are just now realizing as you flip over to the back of your bulletin, there's ten points on there, a few with some subpoints. I'm about to give you five in just a second, all in one slide. So I promise you, I promise you, I'll get you out of here in about 15 more minutes. Y'all let me roll and you listen quick. Second thing I want to say is I want to say thank you to uh, all of the people who made this weekend for our graduates possible. It's an incredible weekend. A lot goes into this weekend. Um, I get to take all the credit for it, uh, but I uh, had hardly uh, anything to do with any of it. We have just incredible folks all around that take care of our seniors year after year and do it with a joyful heart because they're so excited for them, so excited to see what the Lord's doing in their life. Uh, so thank you to all those who made this weekend possible, made my job much, much easier this week. On Saturday nights every year, uh, we have uh, a little dinner for our seniors before our, the Sunday graduate recognition time. And one of the things that I've done every year with the exception of last night was I gave them my 10 rules for life. 10 rules for life as they get ready just to leave and to enter the world. Uh, and so my plan was last night to give them the first five and then, you know, go, go from there this morning. Uh, but I forgot to do that in the chaos that was last night, the beautiful chaos that was last night with all the photos and pictures and videos and all that good stuff. So I'm going to give them to you now. Number 10, I'm going to throw if it should be, are they on the screen? So here's your first 10. You have your feeling or your first five. Starting at number 10. Ten rules for life that I encourage our seniors to live by as they get. Room, if you have a socket set at home, how nice it is when you can open that box and every socket is in the correct place and you know exactly where to reach to get the right socket and not have to fit ten different not have to fiddle through a bunch of loose sockets in the bottom of the box I was working on a lawnmower this uh, last or two weeks or last week or sometime a couple of weeks ago I was looking uh, I had a couple different sockets quarter inch had a half inch and a three-quarter drive out at one time, all with three or four sockets each. It took me half an hour to get that thing finally back in the box the way it was. And it was a little difficult. And it, yeah, it took a little bit longer on the tail end of that project. But I will sure be thankful on my next project. Those are back in organ, back in order. Organization makes life easier. It takes a little more effort, but it makes life Own your mistakes. Own your mistakes. I always appreciate when somebody, uh, you know, off the top of my head, just you know, public figures who, who royally mess up don't hesitate to be the first one to the mic and say, I messed up. This is my fault. Or sometimes, I don't even know if it's their fault, but they're taking the fall for it because they're the head of you know, whatever organization they represent. I always appreciate that. I always appreciate somebody who has the humility to say, I messed up, and not immediately try to blame somebody else any of you that have siblings in this room right something happens something goes wrong it was their fault the number of times a day 
I hear. It was brothers, that was, brother did that. It's numerous and exhausting. Own your mistakes. When you mess up, it's okay. Everybody else does too. Pursue excellence in all things, big things, small things, whatever you're doing. Pursue excellence. Even in the small things, it goes, it does not go unnoticed. I often think back to Joseph in prison as he's in prison there uh, for numerous years, uh, taking care of the small things, uh, or whether it was in Potiphar's house, taking care of the small things. Uh, it, was, it was noticed off the bat wherever he went, even in the small things, that he was somebody you could give the big things to, and he would take care of them too, because everything he touched, he did with excellence, and the Lord blessed it. Love is a choice. I know it's hard to believe with my bubbling personality and how sweet and gracious I am to everybody around me, but not even some mornings, I would say most mornings, my wife wakes up with the initial urge to strangle me for doing something stupid the day before. But she doesn't, because she chooses to love me every day. If we went off emotion and that, 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 that uh, emotional feel of love that we get from time to time, um, she would have left a long time ago. She chooses to love me, and I'm thankful for that. Love's a choice. I choose to love people. Personally, this is the most important to me. Summers are for fun, not for school. Graduates, your parents may encourage you to take summer classes. Let me tell you something. When it still's over at Ole Miss or whatever university you go to, there are no more summers. You got to work. Those are gone. <laughs> Enjoy them while you got them. For some of you, some of you really high achievers, you got three or four left. You're like me. You can squeeze four and eight, right? Enjoy summers. Summers are for fun. If somebody's encouraging you to take summer school, summer classes for any reason, that is someone you do not need to be affiliated with. They are a <laughs> terrible influence on your life. We put far too much pressure on young minds to just cram as much information in there, and they miss out on so many life experiences and opportunities because we are so concerned with academia. I'm not saying that's not important, but don't let them miss out on growing up and just being Students, if you have your Bibles, we'll be in 2 Timothy this morning. I told you, I gave you five real quick. The next five may take a few more minutes. This is the last of Timothy's letters chronologically that we have in our hands, that we are aware of. Or not Timothy, Paul's letter. Paul's letter chronologically. Paul is writing to Timothy. Paul mentions Timothy more than anybody else in Scripture outside of the name Jesus Christ. Paul and Timothy are close friends. This is, this is a, a kind of a get-real moment from Paul to Timothy. Timothy's wavering on some things. I, I feel like Timothy is, is just having some struggles with, do, do, do I continue on in the ministry that has been set before me, or, or, or do I, uh, you know, uh, kind of, let that take a back seat and go do something else with life. Paul writes to Timothy in this letter some very blunt statements, but very important statements in a loving way. And this is how he ends his letter. And I know this is an unusual, when we talk about Graduate Recognition Sunday, this is probably a, an unusual passage to look at. There's a lot of names. Uh, you might not think there's a whole lot going on here. But I think this is a time where 
the church is about to go through a great transition in leadership. And Paul, as he uh, is pleading with Timothy on some things throughout the letter, he ends it this way. And there's some important life lessons uh, in these last couple of verses uh, as, as Paul's finishing out his chapter physically on this earth. It reads this, starting in verse 9. It says, Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me in ministry. Tychius I have sent to Ephesus, and when you come, bring the cloak that I left in Carpus and Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will pay him according to his deeds. And beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. And at my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me, and he strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth, and the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the house of the uh, hold of Onesiphorus. Uh, a bunch of names here. I'm just going to read them real fast to make you think I know how to pronounce them correctly. Uh, Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left whatever that T word is there, who was ill uh, at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Do your best to come before winter. Now skip down to verse 22. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the time you give us to open up your word in these next few moments. I pray you speak through it, Lord, as we uh, uh, just try to uh, understand Paul's mindset in these last few moments uh, of his life on this earth and his heart uh, for the people around him and the things that he wanted to communicate to Timothy. Uh, May we take those things and run with them today. Uh, We love you, Jesus. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Number five. So we're at number six. Summers are for fun, not for school. Number five, people are crazy. People are crazy. I don't know if 2020, 2021, and 2022 has taught you anything thus far, but people are absolutely out of their ever-loving mind all over this planet. I had a business uh, law professor uh, years and years ago uh, who I was uh, studying under there at Ole Miss, uh, and he made uh, a comment one day in class, and he said the thing that he had regretted most and the thing that he felt like, man, I was crazy for not taking that opportunity. He started a story off telling us about uh, an old friend of his uh, that had gotten together uh, with a couple other guys and had invited him in on this partnership. Uh, and it wasn't a very, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it was, I, I think, they were looking, you know, maybe investing $10,000 in this deal. And at the time, uh, this particular time, that was a great deal of money. Uh, and this, this, this individual, uh, the professor, was, was on up in age as well. Uh, and so as he's telling the story, he begins to tell about the, the plans and the details. This guy who was trying to get him to invest in his, uh, you know, his store that he was beginning to uh, try to kind of franchise out uh, in some form or fashion, put up, you know, storefronts here and there. that carried multiple goods and all that stuff. Uh, and he said he went home that night, he talked it over with his wife, and things were fairly tight for him and, uh, at, at that point. But they had it if they really wanted to invest in it. Uh, but, but due to some of his wife's concerns, uh, 
they just decided not to invest in it. The individual that had come to my law professor, business law professor, uh, his name was Samuel Walton. You might know his stores, uh, Walmart, uh, and uh, they, had, they had become good friends there uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas. And man, that is, I mean, for the rest of his life, I mean, there's positive negatives. Negatives, you missed out on making a ton of money. And he felt like he was crazy for not making that deal at the time. But the positive is you get to hold that over your wife for the rest of your life. Right? <laughs> Anytime she says, oh, you remember, you remember Sam? Yeah. But oftentimes, oftentimes we'll have situations in life where it may seem, uh, uh, you know, at the time, you know, maybe we should or shouldn't do something, but we'd be crazy to do or not to do uh, whatever it would be. In this passage, uh, Paul, as he's writing to Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, first, come to me soon. But then he kind of gives him, uh, you know, a little heads up on this guy named Demas. And Demas was, uh, now chronologically speaking, I mean, he was somebody that was with Paul with, you know, most commentators that I've read would say he's with Paul for a good five years. And so here's this individual who has been with Paul, and he's been with Paul in the ups, and he's been with Paul in the downs. But he's been with Paul. Paul spoke very highly of him in the book of Colossians. Uh, Demas had great potential uh, in the church. And here at Paul's moment, where he needs him most, he deserts Paul. And I would think after spending that much time with an individual who loves Jesus as much as Paul loved Jesus, and got and who spent that much time with Paul and saw the things that Jesus had done through Paul, and, and of course with Paul's other encounters with uh, apostles, that you know Demas may have been there with him to see just such incredible things. You would have to think that this is an individual who's lost his mind. How could you give up on Paul now? It's just crazy. Well, here's the thing about crazy people, as you we kind of roll on there in the, in the guide there on the slides. People have always been crazy. People will always be crazy. And at times, I know this is hard to believe, you'll be a little crazy too. And that's okay. That's okay. Just be aware. Understand that the world you're in contact with now, seniors, as you're getting ready to lead Tupelo, Mississippi, it's a crazy world out there. It's an exciting world. It's a crazy one, too. But it's always been a little weird. It's always been a little wild. People talk about how crazy things are now. I always think back, man, think back to like 1860. You're coming home from school. Hey, Mom, Dad, uh, here's what I heard at school today. We're, we're seceding from the Union, creating our own currency and our own government. Like, what in the world? That was crazy. That was insane. You think back to you know, major uh, worldwide events uh, throughout the years. You think back to, uh, you know, things like, uh, you know, Pearl Harbor. You, you, you hear that uh, uh, FDR's address over the radio that next morning about this day that happened just the day before. Most folks, you know, hadn't heard about it until the next day. Just these incredibly crazy moments. Times have always been difficult. Times have always been crazy. People have always gone through Tremendous times of transition and tumult, and they have made it through it. So understand, the world around you is going to be a little bit crazy. Always has been, will be. You'll be crazy at times, too. All right, our next point is this. 
I'll throw it up on the screen. There we go. When expectations meet reality, there is an, an inevitable disappointment. There is inevitably disappointment. Here's what I mean by that. Sometimes, I guess the best example I could give is uh, with my kids. My, I, I think my love language as far as, you know, how, how I try to show love is I try to show love. I, I, I'm a gift giver. I like to give a good gift. I also like to be the favorite parent. And I am the favorite parent because I am the one that buys all the toys. I, I have to pay for that, you know, uh, later on um, uh, and, and, and get some scorn for that sometimes. But without a doubt, I'm the favorite. Right, boys? All right. They're here. Right there. Reed, who's the favorite? Who's the favorite? That's right. He knows. He knows. They've also been told if they sit still the whole service that we get to go to Walmart afterward and buy a toy today. <laughs> but I love to give a good gift. Sometimes I think I've found a really, really good gift, and, man, they're going to be so excited, and I can't wait to get home to give it to them. And first thing they come running out the door, especially like if I've been on a trip or something, they come running out the door, uh, you, you know, to come up and give me a hug. They know it's, they, I know why they're running out. They're not running to give me a hug. They're, they're coming to get the gift that I brought. And, uh, and, and sometimes I just miss the mark. And I'm so disappointed because they, you know, and, and they do their best. Oh, yeah, we love it. But, you know, some folks, yeah, we love it. You know, no, they don't. You can tell that you just missed a mark on that present. And it's just disappointment there. My expectation was they'd come out, they'd see the gift. Oh, you're the greatest dad ever. Uh, I'll never forget this moment. Uh, but then when reality hits and, and, and they don't really like what I brought them, oh, it's just a, it just hurts my heart a little bit, right? When expectations meet reality in this moment in Scripture, when we look at Paul, and we look at his expectations in previous years for Demas there, we see that inevitably Paul has to be terribly disappointed with him. He has to be terribly disappointed with the route and the path that Demas chose. Demas' departure there it had to devastate Paul. Our deepest hurts can only come from the people who we love the most, our deepest disappointments from the destruction of our deepest hopes. And Paul had great hope in Demas. What a bitter pill this had to be for him, for Paul. Some of my greatest heartaches in ministry are when I see people who I, I, have, I have looked up to or I see up-and-coming students who just have an incredible insight into the gospel and into God's calling on their life. And then just a few short years later, after they leave high school, after they get out in the real world, man, they just... And it's, and it's not that they're doing anything wrong or bad. They just get comfortable. And they like that comfort. And the potential was so great. And my expectations were so high for what the Lord was going to do uh, in and through them if they would be obedient. And when reality hits, there's just disappointment there. And it hurts. And it hurts. So when, di when that disappointment inevitably comes, what's needed? Forgiveness is needed. Forgiveness is needed when we are disappointed. Here, Paul needed to forgive Demas in his heart. Paul's assessment of what Demas had done, that when he makes that statement, when he was in love with this present world, does not make Demas a villain 
but merely a man so much like us who came into disgrace by a well-worn path. Love for this world or this present age, as the Greek literally reads there, takes many shapes and, and depending on who we are, comes in many forms and fashions. I really like, I, I got a quote from a guy named William Barclay. I really enjoy, I, this, this quote just spoke to me this week. It says, he says, the years have a way of taking our ideals away, of making us satisfied with less and less, of lowering our standards. There is no threat so dangerous and so insidious as the threat of years to a man's ideals. When expectations meet reality, we often are disappointed. And when that disappointment inevitably comes, we have to accept the fact that we need to forgive those who disappoint us. But not only that, but we should also pursue forgiveness when we are disappointed. Point B there. We should pursue forgiveness when we are the ones that have disappointed others. Paul makes a statement there. Uh, look there in verse 11. It says, Luke alone is with me. But he says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. And I think that's an impactful statement for this reason. If you flip over there. Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Paul and Barnabas, the dynamic duo, who are going out and doing incredible things for the sake of the gospel, who are leading people all over the known world at the time to Jesus Christ. Man, they just got, you know, they're just a, they're, man, they're just a power couple, right? Man, they're, just, they're just, man, they're doing incredible things. And the Lord's moving, and the Lord's working. But after some days, in verse 36, it says, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. This is the same John Mark that Paul just referenced at the end of his life as he's writing his final letter to Timothy that we're aware of. To Timothy, it's the same Mark. But Paul thought best not to take Mark with them because Mark was the one who had withdrawn from them uh, in, in, in previous ministry there. And there arose, verse 39, a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. What is Barnabas known for? What's his name mean? Son of encouragement. Man, he's just, he's just the guy. You, you know those really happy people that are happy all the time that make you want to throw up most days? Okay? They're just so encouraging. My mom's just a really happy person. She's very encouraging. And some days I just want to be mad. I'm like, Mom, I don't want any encouragement. Just let me be mad. I just want to be angry for a minute. Let me just be mad. And she well, it'll be okay. Well, I know that it'll be okay. Well, just trust in, you know, trust in, you know, the Lord. I know he's got a plan. Just let me be. Anyway, you know, you, you know how sharp of a disagreement it must have been for the guy who is known as the son, the, the, the father of encouragement. He's the most encouraged guy. Everybody, everybody is encouraged by this guy. How sharp of a disagreement it must have been for Paul and Barnabas. I mean, words were said. Feelings were hurt. And I would like to think Paul in these last couple of moments in his life as he's making these statements to Timothy and he makes that statement, get Mark, bring him with you for he is very useful to me for ministry. There has been a dramatic change in Paul's heart towards Timothy. I think this is a recognition and I, and, and, and I hope I hope there was a letter somewhere along the way that, 
Paul wrote to Barnabas where Paul just said, I'm sorry, bro, I was wrong. I got it wrong with Timothy. Yeah, he disappointed me back then. I was upset because of, you know, he left us hanging this one time. We don't know why he left him hanging, but he left him hanging. Like, I just didn't think he was useful, but now I get it. I get it. What does it say about Barnabas that he says, okay, Paul, I mean, this dynamic duo who the Lord is working through, doing incredible things through, all right, you go do your thing. I'm going to go get John Mark. What does it say about Barnabas and his encouragement and what it did to the spirit of John Mark that brings John Mark to the point where he's, man, he's full steam in ministry, he's doing great things, and, he, and, and, and he's useful to Paul uh, when Paul was the last one he thought he'd be working for and doing good things and doing things for the Lord for Paul, in this moment, I just feel there's this heart of, I got it wrong, and I'm sorry, and I need forgiveness for that because John Mark is useful to me now. Last, or third point. I got four minutes. I'll get these last three in. People are not projects. People are not projects. We, as followers of Jesus, are so often guilty of treating peoples or people groups as a project. People are people. It's that simple. They're just people. Paul had a heart for people. He didn't view his deserters as enemies. Look there back in verse 16. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. Expectations? Hey, somebody's going to come get my back on this deal. Reality? No one showed up. Disappointment? For sure. But what does Paul say there in the second half of that verse? May it not be charged against them. He didn't view his friends as people who simply helped him accomplish tasks. He understood that they were just men like he was, that people will disappoint you. They're not projects, but they're just people just like he was. He treated them just as people who needed Jesus just like he did. And he was thankful for people who had the same heart for people that he did. Point two, we're down to two. Education is valuable. Parents, hear me. Don't ever think that I teach your students that education is not valuable. Paul was no stranger to speaking eloquently and finding every opportunity to take his knowledge of the world and use it as a springboard to the gospel. I think oftentimes back to Acts 17, I don't know if I put that in the slides up there or not, but Paul standing in the midst of the leaders of Athens, the great thinkers of his day, and in that moment begins to try to convince many of them. Uh, he, he, he walked up on this statue that was built or this idol that was built to this unknown God. He uses his knowledge. He uses the knowledge of the people around him in order to present the gospel uh, to those individuals. And he says, hey, this idol that you built over here that has the inscription to an unknown God, let me tell you about that God. And he wins some of them over for Jesus and not a bunch of them. But a lot of them says, hey, we want to hear you again on this matter. Paul was making an impact, and that was because he was a very educated man. But don't miss this either. Experience is priceless. Experience is priceless. Don't miss out on life experiences. From the apex of the passage, testifying to the faithfulness of Christ, the Lord who stood with Paul and strengthened him there in verse 17 and 18. He stood there not only or even primarily for Paul's sake, but that through the apostle the proclamation of the gospel might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear the gospel. Paul was unique and divinely appointed by Jesus to communicate the gospel to the world around him. 
and he had some incredible experiences doing so. And even though those experiences were very difficult on him physically, mentally, and spiritually at times, and Paul had to be delivered over and over and over again, Paul understood that experience is priceless, and this experience he was in in that moment would be no different. Paul was no idiot because of his education, because of the the great mind that he had been gifted with by the Lord. He knew his days were coming. He probably knew his days were coming very soon, especially with the tone towards Timothy as he makes a couple statements about time in those last few moments. Get here quickly. Paul knows it's coming. He's a smart guy, but he also knows that regardless of what comes, his experience has told him over and over and over again that somehow, some way, the Lord is going to deliver. Even if it means his death, he gets to be with the Lord in paradise and not have to worry about any of this mess ever again. Last point is this, number one. Time is your most valuable resource. Time is your most valuable resource. Look at the tone there, verse 9. What does Paul say to Timothy? Do your best to come to me soon. Why? Paul knows his time is coming to an end. He has a lot to say. He has a lot of things that he wants to communicate. Look there in verse uh, 13. When you come, bring the cloak that I left you with Carpus at Troas, but also bring the books, and above all, bring the parchments. He's got things he wants to discuss and to talk about theologically with his good friend. I'm sure moments of encouragement for Timothy, but also wanting to write things down. He knows his last words will be very important. He knows transition is coming for the leadership of the church. He knows and understands that this time that he has left is his most valuable resource. Your subpoints there, you can never get a refund on how you spend your time. You can never get a refund on how you spend your time. I find myself so often being so agitated and angry with myself because I know I have just spent time doing something that was totally useless. Because I got ADHD and it's a struggle for me to concentrate at times and I can get easily off track on things. And before I look up, man, I've wasted two, three, four hours on something that just did. I'm a details guy. I like the, the small details, things that nobody else will see. I'll know, you know, painting the top of the, of the door trim at your house. Like, I'm going to paint the top of it. Nobody's ever going to look on top of the door trim. But if another guy gets in there and paints it, I want him to know, hey, you know what? There's a guy who cared about his work. He painted the top of the door trim. Nobody's ever going to say things like that where I'm like, yeah, it's just oftentimes I get so aggravated and agitated that I've wasted my time. I can't get a refund on how I spend it. I do things that are less important than things I could be doing. And the last point is this. You can never make more of it. You can never make more of it. Make the most of your time, seniors. As you get ready to transition, you've got incredible experiences and days ahead of you. I'm going to leave you with these last two verses. I hope they're up on the screen. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that what the will of the Lord is. Don't miss out on God's will for your life because you're spending your time unwisely. And the last point, you can never make more of it. James 4, 14, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? Were you a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes? You can't make more of it, guys. 
Your days are numbered. Enjoy them. Make the most of them. You've got incredible days ahead of you. Don't miss out on the opportunities the Lord has for you because you are settling for less. Let me pray for y'all. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for who you are and what you do for us. Thank you for the time you give us to be in your house this morning. Open up your word for a few moments. Lord, I pray as we get ready into uh, enter into this time of invitation, Lord, that if you're moving in our hearts uh, to make a decision today, whether to uh, finally accept you as our Lord and Savior or to make a recommitment of some sort or, Father, to join this awesome, incredible church, this incredible church family, Lord, uh, move in those ways. But right now, Lord, I just take a moment to pray for our seniors, Lord, as they get ready to uh, enter into a new time of transition, an exciting time of incredible things uh, that you have in front of them and ahead and for them, Lord, that they would know and understand that you are good, that your plans for them are good, that, um, that our time is incredibly important and in how we spend that time. So may we spend that time pursuing you and all the good, incredible things uh, that you promised us, uh, Lord, that we might not miss out on what you have called each and every one of us to do. That is to make your name great in everything we think, say, and do. We love you, Jesus. We ask these things in your precious and holy and wonderful name. Amen.